0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're going to go in our Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And tonight I want to walk through the Apostle Paul's case or defense for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some really wonderful and strong arguments he makes for it. And I, I want to help you tonight and just, I know all, at least most of you anyway, believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe he rose from the dead? That he actually overcame death? Totally. And never to die again. All right? Well, based on that truth, um, the Apostle Paul is going to help us just str- be strengthened in this belief that we have. Um, by, by laying out a, a, a genius argument for the resurrection. And like I said, we're going to walk through it a little Tonight, but I want to remind you that these Wednesday night sessions in this teaching in Corinthian letters are open to questions. And if you have questions along the way while I'm teaching, please feel free to raise your hand. All right. It's it's not an interruption to me. I mean, it might interrupt me, but I'm inviting you to interrupt. All right. By raising your hand and asking a question, because I want you. To have your, answer, your questions answered, you know, a, a concerning Bible questions, especially if they're Bible questions, I definitely invite those in, and especially if they're on this subject tonight. But if they're not, that's fine. Raise your hand anyway, and if I can answer your question, I'll do my best to do it. All right? Uh, I, I'm uh, not political questions. All right? We're not going to go there. Amen. We're way too divisive in that arena right now. way too opinionated. But uh, so if, if you want to ask a question here in the room, I want to uh, just want you to know that we need to get a microphone to you. For, so give us a second to get that to you so that because we record these and we have people watching lot li- by live stream. Hello, those viewing us by live stream. God bless you. And then we have those that are listening by uh, podcast. We have several uh, podcast subscribers, and we want to say hello to you too. Can we make them all feel welcome for just a moment, One Cause Church? we love you and we thank god for you and uh so we want them to be able to hear what's going on in the room is all i'm saying all right this isn't to embarrass you or anything all right and in 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 this world there is no such thing as a dumb question even though there is (laughs) okay but here you're not we're we're gonna act like all of your questions are marvelously intelligent okay (laughs) to make you feel welcome and feel good about your question, okay? Because we're all at different levels when it comes to the scriptures. You know, even the best of the best, you know, have dumb questions. You guys remember Jesse Duplantis? You know who Jesse Duplantis is? The, the raging Cajun. And it, I love Pastor Jesse Duplantis. I don't know if he's a pastor or evangelist or whatever he may be. Great speaker. And, and he really, God has gifted him to bring the word of God and to to help people laugh along the way. I mean, he's just got a great sense of humor, and so while he's making you laugh, he's hitting you with this truth at the same time. That's just like, I mean, just good solid truth, and makes you laugh all the way through all that pain, you know. And so I I just love him and. He actually had an encounter with God several years ago. How many of you read the book or heard the testimony of close encounters with the God kind where, where Jesse was ushered up into heaven, and, and there he is at the throne room of God. And the way he described heaven, and I mean, it's just a marvelous, marvelous story. And, and he ends up at the throne room, right? I mean, here he is before God Almighty, and he sees Jesus at the right hand of God. And he said, and I opened my mouth, and I asked the dumbest question ever to be uttered in the thr- throne room of God. He said, I'm taking in all this wonderment and all this awe of God on his throne. And Jesus, my hero, my Savior, seated next to the Father. And then I open my mouth and say, where's the Holy Spirit? (laughs) To which an angel or God said, "Uh, he's on the earth, buddy. (laughs) Anyway, so all I'm saying is there is no such thing as a dumb question here tonight. Okay? You're all very loved. This is an atmosphere of love and not judgment. Amen. But if you don't want to do that over a microphone, please, if you want, if you will, bring up yes, you can text at OCASK to 81010 to ask a question. And we will have someone else ask your question for you if you're not comfortable doing that over a microphone, okay? All right, so ask away. Nobody yet. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 then. Hey, I've got something to say if you don't, so I'll, I'll just say on. If I don't, Brian definitely has something to say. <laughs> Every time I hang around this guy, I just go, I'm dumb. When he speaks, he's so intelligent, you know, it's marvelous, marvelous way with words. Yeah. Uh, amen. You bless me. I'm glad that you still choose to be my friend. (laughs) If you take notes, anybody here take notes? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, If you happen to take notes, I want to give you some things to write down, okay? Because you can use this in your own study time. Paul is making a case for the resurrection, and he does it by three, three ways, all right? Number one, he defends the resurrection. Number two, he explains the resurrection. And number three, he proclaims the resurrection, all right? He defends it, he explains it, and then he proclaims it. Now, there's a lot of verses in this chapter, and I don't reckon that we will get through all of these verses tonight, being that we're going to start in verse 12 to shorten it up a little bit, but it does go through 58, all right? As I said, relax, I know. Probably won't get through all of it tonight. I've sat in your seat for years. I know what it's like to be out there listening to the preacher preach and thinking, does he know what a clock is? All right? <laughs> I do. just doesn't necessarily mean anything. Are you ready? Let's begin reading verse 12. Like I said, feel free, please. I've got a question. Ask along the way, okay? Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of, among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead you see that now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ isn't risen interesting yes and we are found I'm sorry Uh, and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty yes and we are found false witnesses of God Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ. At his coming. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Death is going to die. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Verse 29, otherwise what would they do who are baptized for the dead, if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Dun, 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 dun. I affirm. I was <laughs> stupid. All right. I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How many of you have lived long enough to figure that out? Hmm? Most of you found that out the hard way. <laughs> Number 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. So, in Paul's defense of the resurrection, he's going to present three arguments. All right? The first argument is going to be what's called the common sense argument. The next one is going to be the order argument or argument of order and then an argument of hope. So let's get into this. Let's read. Note, through 12, 12 through 19 is where he lays out the common sense argument. All right? And it's, he uses this, this method of if-then, if-then. All right. If Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, verse 12, how does some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And we're found false witnesses. So he goes through this whole thing. And now let me just say something. There is there is a a belief system called materialism. Any familiar with materialism? And then there's spiritualism. All right, And these two are diametrically opposed to one another. They're one extreme to the other, and both of them are unbiblical. All right, um, He says that some say there is no, in verse 12 he says, some say there is no resurrection of the dead, in verse 12. Some say there is no resurrection of the dead. Um, Greek philosophy not only influenced Judaism, but it also influenced Christianity through the years. And there are several extreme aspects of these philosophies which people unknowingly allow to shape their biblical view or their biblical perspectives both in the early church and even still today and so Paul's having to correct this unbiblical kind of thinking that has crept into the church and they've just kind of mixed it all together as one thing and so he begins to slowly separate and show them the difference between the biblical worldview and then the worldview itself all right Because Christianity affirms both spirit and body. And uh, others deny the body or the value of the body and only believe in a supreme and and pure soul or spirit. And um, that would fall under a category of like Platonism, uh, Christian science, uh, Hinduism, what else, Brian? Buddhism, Gnosticism and uh, New Age, etc. Each, each of these extremes cause a, an overreaction in the other extreme. So uh, the, the, a big problem is that Christians, they hold these, these uh, unsupported philosophies and, and don't even realize that they're doing it. Uh, they think that what they believe is Christian without ever really, uh, without ever really analyzing what they believe. And so Paul's helping, helping them to observe their, their worldview here. and what he does is shocks them actually. just, just shock them with the truth. And he, he wants them to see what life would really be like with no resurrection. All right? So uh, he says, "If the dead aren't raised, then Christ was not raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We're false apostles. Then we wrongly stated that Jesus rose. If the dead aren't raised, Christ isn't raised. Your faith is futile. You're still dead in your sins. And those that have died in Christ, well, they're perished forever. This is where this is taking you. This is where this thinking is taking you. All right? This is the rational conclusion to that thought process. And without Christ's resurrection, our faith is empty and it's void of effectiveness. So you see how world philosophy then or presumption can erode someone's faith away. And so they probably weren't denying Christ's resurrection. They were only having questions about resurrection as far as people or the rest of us, the resurrection of the dead. But Paul corners them on this. He will not allow them that thought because because everything that Jesus Christ did, my family, he did for us. Right? He's the first fruit. He rose from the dead assuring you and I that we absolutely will raise from the dead. If the dead don't rise, then he never did. But since he did, there's absolute resurrection for all of us. Hmm? How many of you believe that death is a reality? (laughs) That's a dumb question. See, that's what I'm saying. Any questions marvelous here in this room. Right, You've lost a loved one, you've lost a friend, you've lost a family member, somebody, and death was, was, came near you. It's a reality, right? You've been to a funeral, you've sat there, you've, and even in that moment, you've even considered and, and meditated and thought about your own mortality. You can't help but do that. Two things that you can't avoid in this world. Two sure things are what? Death and Taxes. We all know death. We're acquainted with death. We know it's real. We've seen it. and We continue to see it. So we're all assured of it. Why did death come? Because one man sinned. And the scripture says, by that one man sinned, death spread to all of us. Now let me, just as sure as death is, uh-huh. come on. just as sure as that is a reality, there absolutely is resurrection then. See, Adam doesn't get to have greater effect than Jesus. And we know death is real. Then we have to be convinced fully that there's a resurrection reality for all of us. Otherwise, Adam wins on this. Otherwise, death wins. But we know that death is going to die itself. And in the end, death is going to be swallowed up, the Scripture says, in victory. Because life, which comes from God... Is greater than death, which comes from sin. So Paul corners them on this thought, and he says, "Either, either you fully accept Christ's resurrection, that it affirms the resurrection of our bodies, or you're going to have to deny His resurrection and all of those claims about His resurrection. There's no middle road on this." Um, The rec- the resurrection defends the importance of the body and the spirit, uh, and, and if it, 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 it 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 let me say it. It defends the importance of the body by the fact of its return appearance. It apparently means something to God, doesn't it? If the body didn't mean anything, why would God need to raise it up? Hmm. It's important to him. Because we're made in his image, spirit, soul, and body. So we can't dismiss the value of the body because of death. Because something else is coming. And Christ proved this by his resurrection. Um, So you can see this logical process by these statements that Paul makes. Our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We're false witnesses. Your faith is worthless. Then those who have died have perished. It's common sense. This common sense argument. If you go down that road, this is where it's going to lead you. But if you believe that Christ died, then you have to believe that you're going uh, and rose again. Then you have to believe that you're going to rise again. <laughs> Amen. How many of you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Amen. All right, then you have to believe the end result: you're going to rise from the dead. Should should you die before He comes back? Either way, you're going up. He got up, so you can get up too. And let's look at verse 20. Can we go down to verse 20? Everybody okay? Any questions so far? Okay. Verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit. Say the first fruits. You know, Romans says it like this, that he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Oh, I like that. He's the firstborn among many brethren. So now what Jesus did for us and the fact that he rose from the dead showed us something else about our place with God. And that at one point when Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. At one time there was just one son. The only begotten Son of God. But when Jesus Christ came up out of that grave, he became the firstborn among many sons. Hallelujah. We all got to be a part of this family. We all got to be partakers as sons. Hallelujah. Of God. I love that. God brought us not just into a right relationship. He brought us into a family. God is our Father. As much as he is the creator of the world and the holiest being that ever was, he is our Father too. And Jesus is not only our Savior and our Lord, He's our big brother. Hmm? Verse 20, bless you. I think that was a sneeze. If it wasn't, bless us. But now, but now But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, this argument is simple. This is is where he takes us from the common sense argument to the order argument. Okay? So with with the knowledge of the Scriptures, we, we know the origin of death. Adam sinned, therefore all of his descendants got this malignant spiritual disease called death. And we see how one man affected all of us. But this happened another way too, except we don't have that final result yet. Because Jesus came and died for his people's sins, he came back to life. And there were many who witnessed. The scripture says there were over 500 people who witnessed him after he was raised from the dead. So the part that we're still waiting for now and uh, are for those who are connected to Christ through faith. The ones that we're, we're waiting for is to be raised with a glorious body. My family, that day's coming, it is coming. And of course it hasn't happened yet, but well, for one thing, we haven't died, and let's let's hold off on that as long as we can, okay? Christ is the first fruits, and then Christians will then follow. So through Adam came death, through Christ came what? Resurrection. So he presents these, these time patterns. This is really interesting. Let's look at verse twenty one and twenty two for a moment. Are you okay? For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Ooh, so we have this order of allegiance from death to life. And Adam we all die, but in Christ we're all made alive. You got that? And then we have this order of time where Christ is first raised and then we're raised. Verse 23. But each one in his own order Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Ooh! Then we have this purpose, this order of purpose, where death reigns at one point, but now Christ reigns. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, and he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Amen. So he, he's subduing all things, uh, is shown by him subduing death itself. Amen. Death is conquered all before him, and uh, I mean death conquered all before him. But praise God! Now he's the one who conquers death, death, hell, and the grave. Now, when all things, verse twenty-eight, are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. You see the, the modern-day university and some of you may have been exposed to the modern-day university, Uh, they're forced to deny the resurrection of Christ. Because after all, if Christ is alive, then all of us become accountable. And this becomes a very uncomfortable position for all of us, doesn't it? Especially if we don't want to admit it's true. Because of this, Paul plunges into these arguments that prove the resurrection. He argues it a bit differently than we're used to. It's very interesting where he goes here. and just right, Let's look at this, verse 29. But it's, it's, it's thoroughly logical and, and consistent. Otherwise, what would they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? What in the world is he talking about here? Anybody have an idea of what he's talking about here? Those that are baptized for the dead. Do you baptize for the dead? Do we baptize for the dead here? Hmm? There are some religions that do. There are some that do. So Paul is saying, otherwise, what will they do who are baptized? What do you think he's saying, Brian? Pastor Brian, I should say. I want to hear, I want to hear your comment. Hang on one second. Where's that microphone? Oh. Pastor Jeremiah is bringing it to you. that, that uh, baptism is actually us, us committing ourselves to the life that we have in the resurrection and acknowledging the death that we, it's basically us dying at that moment, uh, the death of Adam. And so in that moment, from that moment forward, now we are alive in Christ. So uh, in that sense, you're kind of only dead once then, really. Um, sorry, I'm kind of... My mind's kind of in a lot of different places right now. (laughs) Um, Let me read it again. Hold on. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized in the dead? Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? Kind of interesting. I see. We see at this time. We see at this time that there were there was this practice. Now we can see this in two different ways. All right. I want to first of all look at the look at the way that we see in some traditional churches and even some cults that are out there where um, they baptize uh, for the dead or they literally baptize their own dead people. They take them and they baptize the, the dead in a pool or something. It's just creepy as all get out. But anyway, the, it happens. And um, so maybe he's just talking about the fact that that exists. Why would they do that if there is no hope for a resurrection? All right, I don't think he's affirming that practice. He's just saying that's the way it is and why would people do that? if there is no hope for a resurrection. All right? You see what I'm saying? So he's not like trying to make a theological stance here, he's just making an argument. But the other side of it, as you were saying, Brian, we can also apply to how we baptize because we understand that baptism is more than just a symbolic thing. It is symbolic as as the popular thing in our world is to say it is a it is an an outward expression of an inward work. And I think that's well said. But that's not the only thing because remember, when did you die? as a believer when did you die hmm when Christ died remember Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 I am crucified with Christ when he died so did I so now there's something I have to do about the dead me or as or as some of the, the the scripture calls it the old man that doesn't mean your dad the old man or the old nature now is dead. It's gone. Now you have a, you've been a, made a new creation in Christ. This is kind of the reality. So now, as a believer, you who put your faith in Christ, and now the old things are gone, new things have come. But however, there is this old nature that has died. And guess what you're doing? You're walking around with a dead carcass. What do you do with a dead carcass? You have to bury that thing. So in the waters of baptism, when we go under the water, we believe That right there at that moment, there's a funeral happening. And the old man is being buried in the waters of baptism. And this is symbolic of something that happened a long time ago. If you remember in the flood, There there was a reversal of this curse, this worldwide cataclysmic flood that affected all mankind when only eight people survived that in an ark. And all men went under the waters of judgment not to rise again. But God redeemed that in the waters of baptism. That we go under, judged that that is dead, the old things are gone, and now we rise up out of that water, though, praise God, in newness of life, all right? And the old things are buried, they're gone. And that, more than anything, that is your step, your greatest step in sanctification. Sanctification just means to live a separated kind of life, separated from this world's thinking and its doing, you have lived your life, you're consecrated to God. All right, And baptism is, a, is an outward expression of that, of that testimony that you are identifying with who you are now in Christ Jesus. The, you, are, you are identifying that you are now a new creation. Things are not what they were. You're not who you used to be. Amen. And so now you're going forward today in a new life. And the old thing is gone. That's, what, that's why it's so important, I believe, for you to be baptized as quickly as possible as a believer. Um, and, uh, but there's no condemnation if you're not, you know, it took my wife 10 years after we were in ministry 10 years before she got baptized. So, you know, they might explain one or two things, but but baptism in the, in the way that we, that we follow the scriptural precedent is to be fully submerged, right? Cause we don't sprinkle dirt on dead people. We submerge them in the earth. <laughs> All right? So we submerge the body, the old nature, under the waters and rise in the newness of life. All right? Okay, so let's, let's keep moving unless you have a question. Okay. I invite your questions. I, w- I want you to ask questions. I don't want you to feel like you can't or don't want to, but maybe you're just ready to go home. All right. Let me finish with this thought, all right? I know I've given you a lot to kind of chew on here tonight. Verse 30, And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Now, what Paul is saying here, he Paul is, I think he's being literal here. <laughs> I really do for the most part. Because if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, 11 especially, he goes through all the things that he went through, for the gospel's sake, all the sufferings. Now, he's not doing it to, to brag or anything. He's actually saying, this is how fools talk. And, but you've kind of compelled me to do this because other people's sob stories. The law, look what I've done for the gospel. I've sacrificed this and I've done this. I've paid this price and this price. And he says, you, is this really what you want? This is how fools talk. All right. He said, so if, if, all right, if you want me to boast, I'll boast. I was shipwrecked three times. I was beaten five different times. I've been snake bit. I've been stoned to death. I I mean, he's going through this and going through this whole list of things. And then he goes into all these perils and perils of robbers and perils in deaths often. Often? How many times did he die? Oh, I don't know. I mean, this guy endured some incredible persecution. Incredible body beatdowns, and yet the Lord wouldn't let him stay dead because he had a mission to finish. And it's kind of interesting that I'll finish with this thought: in one place where Paul is talking, I think he's talking to the Philippian church, and he says, "I'm going to paraphrase: he said, I'm between a rock and a hard place on this one. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain." And it's to your benefit that I stay here. Ah, oh, But which one to choose? I'm kind of stuck. It's far better to be with him. But it's better for you if I stay. Like he has some kind of say in the matter. <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? I think that we might miss out on a truth here if we just kind of overlook that. That maybe, maybe, you can die when you get ready to die. Maybe it's not all pre-planned on this calendar in heaven, like, go get him. His time's up. <laughs> I don't think God works it like that. Because he gives us promises of long, for long life. Why would he give us promises for long life if he's going to snuff us out anyway? Hmm? It is, it is God's will that you live a good, long, healthy life. You know what the Word of God does for you? Length of days, long life, and peace they will add to you. And it seems that Paul really was, even though he could have chosen to go, he decided not to. And then it wasn't until Timothy where he said, I fought the fight. I have finished my course. I have kept faith. The time for my departure is now at hand. And he was gone after that. You see all these other times where it looked like there's no way he should have survived it and didn't, but somehow did. Hmm. I think we could all come up in faith more. Don't get caught up in a religious mindset. Well, God's in control. Yeah, he's in control, but he ain't controlling everything. Don't forget that other part of it. He's in control, but he's not controlling everything. Amen. He puts you here on earth to rule and to reign, to subdue the earth. How did we get there from resurrection? We've got more to cover next week on this, but we'll do that next week. All right, is this encouraging? Any questions before we kind of wrap this up? The last three weeks. The last three times I've taught you guys have not had questions. Come with questions next time, all right? I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. Amen. Um, For just a moment, is there anyone here tonight that needs prayer for healing? Any kind of you're sick in your body, you're dealing with some pain, whatever it might be, all right, thank you, Nathan. Okay, maybe, faith, or if you, are, or if you want to stand in for someone tonight, you, want to say, you have a friend or a relative of somebody, you want to just say, hey, I want to pray for them. Just raise your hand where you are right now, all right? Now, hold your hand up high for me so I can see you, please. All right, good. Now, if you're around someone that has their hand up, I want you just, if you're close to them, just gently lay your hand on. We're just going to agree together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, right now. Thank you right now that you sent your word and you healed us. We have someone back here. And deliver okay, we delivered us from our destruction. Thank you, Lord, for these bodies being healed and made whole. Jesus, you paid such a high price that your body was broken, so their bodies would be made whole. And the same afternoon that your blood was shed for our forgiveness, your body was broken for our healing. So we just send forth that word of healing now and say, be made whole in Jesus' name. Be made whole. Receive the fullness of of this finished work in your body. Command pain and sickness and disease and any kind of infirmity and weakness to leave these bodies now in Jesus' name. Lord, these that are here and those that are standing in for right now, thank you right now. Lord, your word knows no bounds. We just send it forth and say, let the word of God do what it do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's a life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. And as David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Thank you for that. Now, these lives are redeemed from destruction. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You all right? All right. Let's stand together tonight. Now, I want to uh, just make a quick announcement that right after this service, um, our Christmas musical cast is going to be going right into practice. So would you please take your sweet little fellowshipping mouths out there so that they can can get their practice started we greatly appreciate it very much just do all your fun and talking and hugging and loving right out those double doors all right very much appreciate your cooperation well i'm very excited about this musical coming up it's going to be wonderful i know that amen let's lift our hands toward heaven father thank you for your blessing on your people and they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in thank you that you caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people of Go forth with joy, God, the joy of the Lord that is their strength. Thank you, Father God, that you're with them. You're on their side. And when they go, they have favor with God and they have favor with man. In Jesus' name, I declare peace over their homes. In Jesus' mighty name, and now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.